Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Let's go back to another place and time for a minute. The time is February 1812. The place is the state of Massachusetts in the United States of America. The who would be Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Jerry or Gary. I'm not sure how that last name is pronounced. It's spelled G-E-R-R-Y. And Governor Jerry Gary, (laughs) whatever, had just signed off on his Jeffersonian Republican Party's redistricting plan. And in response to that, the following month, in March of 1812, the Boston Gazette ran a political cartoon that depicted a new species of monster, and it was called the Jerry Mander. That's a play on words from Salamander, but they spelled it with, it was two different words. Jerry, spelled G-E-R-R-Y, like the governor's last name, and Mander. And the drawing had a, a kind of a forked tongue creature that was kind of curved around that was shaped to resemble the new voting district that was rather contorted didn't seem to <laughs> didn't seem to make any sense quite frankly there were federalist newspapers in Massachusetts that reprinted the cartoon and because of the widespread um, publicity, a new word came to be. So I'm going to assume that the governor's name is pronounced Gary because it says that the, the pronunciation uh, changed. So uh, since we now call it gerrymander, I'm going to assume that the governor's name was actually pronounced Gary, as in Gary, Indiana. But uh, (laughs) that has taken its place in history. And the process of gerrymandering today is when politicians redraw their voting districts in a nonsensical way often to the detriment of the voters, making it inconvenient for some people to actually go to polling places. But the reason for doing it is because it benefits solely their uh, political party. And right now, we have to take a better look, I think, at gerrymandering because after this year's midterms, it's 
really obvious that a lot of the districts that the Republicans won were due solely to gerrymandering. So right now, they still have not decided the Senate or the House. They're still counting in several states. So we don't really know for sure how it's all going to turn out. It could go either way, I suppose. But uh, we have to really take a look at what happened uh, down in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis shoved through a very, very aggressive, partisan, racially divided gerrymander that probably is not constitutional. And that action had pretty much given the Republicans four seats. And we used to have a thing known as the Voting Rights Act which provided protections against gerrymandering on a racial basis. And this affected mostly states in the South. But because the Supreme Court has pretty much dissected the Voting Rights Act a little bit at a time, this gerrymandering is now permitted so, we had legal proceedings in Alabama, Georgia, and Louisiana, and those were all allowed to stay, uh, remain, because of the court decision. And there was a conservative district court down in Texas that approved of an outright discriminatory congressional map that reduced the political power of Latinos in the state of Texas, even though Latinos drove 95% of the state's population growth over the last decade, which makes you wonder why some Latinos seem to lean Republican. You can't really call them conservatives anymore because they're not. So we've had a lot of gerrymandering, and that uh, usually happens after a census. They, the this U.S. census is, is taken, uh, and it was done in 2000, 2010, 2020, and then it takes the party that is in power in the state uh, at that time after the census they redraw the districts. And I think the intention of doing that is because the population may have changed in one part of the state or one part of a city or whatever. Some people have moved in perhaps in, in, in an area that wasn't so popular or developed in the past now has lots of people living in it because it is developed or an older area where people have kind of moved out uh, doesn't have the population that it had 10 years earlier. 
And so re redrawing the maps should actually be a good thing, but it should be done with the intention of making it easier for voters to get to their polling place without having to drive long distances. But now we've got this process where they will identify neighborhoods or areas where mostly wealthy white people live. This is a poor black area. Oh, you know, this is a wealthy black area, but we want to stick this area in with this one because we want to minimize um, the uh, power that these voters have in determining who represents the state. And really, I would have to say virtually I would say almost all, but a, a, likely a very good percentage of the gerrymandering that is done by the Republicans is done in a discriminatory basis based on race. And certainly with the intent of making things better for their political party. We did see in the midterms this year that younger voters, voters under the age of 30, went for the Democratic Party over 60%. So the vast majority of younger voters are leaning Democratic. And a lot of these young, young kids, I, I, they're really not kids, young adults, are a segment of voters that is growing rapidly. And the older white voters who mostly support Republicans are dying off. And so the future looks very good for the Democratic Party. And the Republicans know this. They won't admit it probably on television, but when they get together and they have their little meetings where they discuss things that are going on, they understand that America is becoming a more diverse country, which is part of the reason why they don't like immigration because they realize every time somebody becomes a legal immigrant, that just makes the country a little less white. And Considering the comments that past Republican presidents have made and considering some of the comments current Republicans in Congress and current Republican governors have made and some of the legislation that has been introduced by Republicans in various state legislatures, it's really hard to contradict when somebody says the Republican Party seems to be racist. And that's very unfortunate, but uh, that is the reason why they're doing a lot of this um, uh, gerrymandering is because they know that if they want to hold on to power as long as possible, they have to pull these stunts to prevent these voters who are not the older, typically older white voters who are going to support the Republicans. And 
if they make it more difficult for them to vote, if you're a student, they don't want you to vote if you're going to college. It's, it's really incredible the steps that they have taken in recent years to try to basically rig the elections, which is what they are accusing the Democrats of doing, which is a ploy that goes back to, uh, well, I'm going to say Nazi Germany because it's the truth. You accuse your opposition, the other side, of doing what you're actually doing. Point the finger, you know, cross the aisle. So, and it's, this isn't limited to just the South. Wisconsin has a very conservative uh, legislature and court system. And there was basically a deadlock between the Republican-controlled legislature and the Democratic governor. And that's kind of an interesting thing that should be pointed out. A lot of states will have a governor who is a Democrat, yet they have legislatures that are controlled by Republicans. And when you start breaking down the vote, you realize that more Democrats actually voted in the state, but despite that, the Republicans hold more seats in the legislature. And the way that that happens is through gerrymandering. So the majority is not getting the representation at the state level that they deserve and are entitled to have because of gerrymandering. So the conservative court system in Wisconsin um, got involved in this, this deadlock between the Republicans in the legislature and the Democratic governor and uh, mandated that a new map uh, of the state that made the, the least changes to the current one, which meant that the previous decades gerrymandering from the Republicans was essentially locked in place for another 10 years. Nice, huh? See how that works? The conservatives cover for the conservatives. And that's the thing is the courts are not supposed to be political. They are supposed to enforce the laws. And we're seeing that that's not happening now at all. Uh, let's look at Ohio, which is kind of they, – they refer to Ohio as a swing state, but Ohio has really become a red state lately. The uh, Supreme Court in Ohio has rejected congressional maps drawn by the GOP twice now and said that they were unconstitutional partisan gerrymanders. And a bipartisan majority, a majority of justices said that these maps were very much out of line with a 2018 statewide initiative that 70% of the voters in Ohio supported, and that initiative mandated that districts be drawn up with lines 
that did not favor or disfavor any political party. They needed to be as neutral as possible, and that would bring the districting in the state of Ohio uh, into uh, agreement with the state's bipartisan balance. Well, the Republicans, who have no respect for the law at all, obviously, after you look at the four years of Trump, and all of the things that he did in office that the Republicans in Congress turned their backs on, didn't want to be bothered with, because Hunter Biden's laptop and Hillary Clinton's emails or Hillary Clinton's server or Hillary Clinton's hairdo or whatever the heck it is that they don't like about her on this particular day. Uh, but anyway, the, the Republicans in charge used the maps anyway. They said to hell with the court. Literally, they just said, forget it. We're going to use them anyway. And they ran out the clock. Does that sound familiar? Who else runs out the clock all the time? DJT, those initials bring anybody to mind? And the result was that they won 10 out of 15 House seats, two-thirds of the delegation. And that happened in a state where Republican Trump endorsed J.D. Vance, uh, defeated Democrat Tim Ryan 53.3% uh, to 46.7% for the U.S. Senate. So how does that happen? I mean, you have an almost 50-50 vote for the Senate. Uh, let's see, there was... Uh, About uh, six percentage points, more or less, between uh, Vance and Ryan. But <laughs> two-thirds of the state's delegation is Republican. You see, this doesn't represent the political breakdown of Ohio at all. And you wonder, is there going to be some kind of penalty for the Republicans because they ignored a court order and ran out the clock until it just got to be too late, I would think that there would be something, but apparently not. So what ends up happening is these little changes that occur over time start to add up. And this is magnified when the voting margins nationally are very, very close to one another. So how do we address this? Because we are stuck with these maps now basically for the next eight years until the next census. And if the Republicans happen to be in charge of a particular state after the 2030 census, they're going to be fiddling with the, with the maps again. It's really pretty obvious that this is a big problem, and I think it's probably going to get worse in the future. But... Uh, 
This is one of the reasons why Republicans have taken such extreme steps to prevent people from voting. And if you aren't familiar with the stories, you might want to just do a spend a few minutes on the internet uh, researching voter disenfranchisement for 2022, and you will see that there were different things in different states, but there are a lot of similarities. The, you know, removing people from voter rolls because they live in a certain part of the state uh, or have a name that sounds like they might be a minority, uh, sending out cards to verify addresses or something that have to be returned. Um, one of the things that was a problem in one of the states was if you vote by mail, when you put your ballot in the return envelope and seal it, there was a place on the envelope where you are supposed to sign your name and of course, that signature needs to match the signature on file at the election board because you're supposed to remember exactly how you signed your name. And of course, if you registered decades ago, as people age, their signature changes. People get arthritis, um, eyesight changes, so the signature changes. So if your signature doesn't look very close to the one that the election board has, the Republicans want your ballot thrown out. But on top of that, there's a date next to it. You're supposed to sign it and date it. And some people fail to date it. Now, of course, if you're mailing it, there's going to be a postmark on it, right? Because the post office is going to stamp it when it enters their system. So that is proof that you voted before the election, right? I mean, <laughs> it seems to me that that is probably the best way of verifying the date rather than depending on someone's, you know, to date it next to their signature. You could always date it for the next day or the day before. So how would they know? But anyway, um, if it's my understanding that a lot of those ballots that didn't have the date on it got thrown out, even though on the envelope there was a postmark from the U.S. Postal Service. So all of those voters got disenfranchised because of a simple mistake. And why is a date necessary? They do this intentionally because they really don't want people to vote. When there is good turnout, Democrats do better than Republicans, typically. But long lines at polling places, inconveniently located uh, drop boxes, the, uh, <laughs> the voting uh, supervisors um, who apparently don't always check to make sure their machines are working, there was that problem in Arizona, in Maricopa County, where the tabulators weren't working properly. And naturally, the Republicans blamed it on the Democrat secretary, the Democratic Secretary of State, it was, who was also the Democratic candidate running for governor by the name of Katie Hobbs. 
But the fact of the matter is, in Maricopa County, the people locally who are responsible for elections are Republicans. But, you know, they don't mention that because that's an inconvenient fact that they don't want people to know. So, briefly, that is a history of gerrymandering, and that's where the name came from. And it has become a problem, a more serious problem as time goes on. Uh, It was an abusive act to begin with. And why is it that it seems like all of these sneaky, underhanded, dirty things that happen in politics so often lay at the feet of the Republican Party? Aren't they supposed to be the party of law and order? Aren't they supposed to be the party of values and morals? Aren't they supposed to be the party that respects the Constitution and the laws of the land? Doesn't seem like it when you look at what they're actually doing. And the Republicans, uh, of course, are challenging some of the elections now. They wanted the state of Arizona to keep the polling places open later because of the problem with the tabulating machines, which doesn't make any sense because people could still vote. The, the, the voting machines worked. The ballots had to be run through a tabulator, but they were put in a secure lockbox, basically, until they could get the tabulators back online. And this was all done under the supervision of multiple people, probably from both parties, to make sure that everything was done properly. And then they can run the, the ballots through the tabulator later on, which is uh, what they did. But that may be part of the reason why we're still waiting to hear on votes from Arizona. Anyway, just in case you were wondering, now you know the history of the gerrymander. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week.